like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 24. Genesis, chapter 24. This morning I want to talk uh, a bit about um, uh, we as Christians, as believers, uh, and this concept of uh, meditation. You know, um, there's a lot of... Uh, People that and you say the word meditation, and uh, there's definitely a connotation with it. Uh, there's a connotation talking about you know where people think are about new age transcendental meditation, uh, some things that uh, may be related to Buddhism or Hinduism, things along that lines. But uh, but but I want to make it clear that God God wants us to meditate. God wants us to meditate. And in Genesis chapter 24, I want us to see here in verse 61, and it says, And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon camels, and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of Lahirai, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at Eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servants had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his uh, his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I just want to thank you for this time that we have. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to look into your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand this concept of meditation and what it means and what it does. Uh, in our Christian life, and Lord, how it pleases and honors you. I pray, Lord, that you would just give me the words to speak, that this time would be honoring and pleasing in your sight. And I thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what we have here is we have Isaac. Now, Isaac is definitely progressed in age. He's about 40 years old at this point in time, and as he's 40 years old... He has not had a wife at this point. He has uh, been alone. He has gone through some tough times recently with the loss of his mother. He has uh, um, obviously gone through some difficulties in his life, uh, some events that have taken place. But what we find that is a habit of Isaac, as it appears, is he likes to go into the fields. He likes to sit out there. And just meditate on what God has done. This wasn't some sort of meditation uh, of, of uh, what that piece of grass looked like or the birds singing or anything of that nature. But what it was was a meditation on the works of God. What God had done for him. What God had done in his life. We find Isaac is here, obviously, when Rebekah, his wife, is now coming, the one that uh, Abraham's servant went out and, and got from uh, his own, you know, uh, people and brought him over or brought her over for the purpose of uh, her being his wife. And, and, and we see here that he had waited all this time for that. Abraham didn't want him taking a wife from the people that he was around. He wanted a specific kind of uh, woman for 
for him. And uh, his uh, servant went out and found that. And it was all directed by the Holy Spirit. But the one thing that I see that is really important about all of this is that during this time, when he's waiting for God to do something, he wasn't just sitting idly by. But he also at the same time wasn't busying himself with, if you will, the trappings of life. You go over there and, and, and Paul starts talking to Timothy about some of the problems that happen when busyness occurs. When busyness occurs, sometimes we get so busy, we start intruding on other people's busyness or other people's business. When we, we start, uh, uh, getting too hectic and we're going to and fro and, and, uh, 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 things of that nature, we can wind up getting caught up in the, the, the things of this life and not having time for God. It also talks about idleness, where idleness just sitting by and doing nothing leads to, if you will, sometimes false doctrines, leads to going astray from the truths and, and uh, promises of God. But what we find here is that he was neither idle nor was he busy. He was simply at a point of where he was sitting still and listening and watching what God was going to do. And as he's meditating in this, that's when God gives him a blessing. God gives him a blessing while he's meditating. And I tell you, that is an amazing thing to think about. How God enriches his life and how, how we see Rebecca and Isaac moving forward and obviously having Jacob and Esau and here he is, the child of promise. And as he's sitting there meditating on the events of his life, God brings the next chapter in. And sometimes this is what we need to do. Sometimes before we enter into the next phase of our life, we just need to stop. We need to sit down. And we just need to think and meditate upon what God has done. I want you to think about this as you go back a little bit further. Let's go back over to, to Genesis chapter 11, <clears throat> where where God calls... Um, <clears throat> Um, God calls uh, Abraham to come out, and here he is coming out of uh, that land. And we find here in uh, in this passage, excuse me, in chapter twelve, chapter twelve, in verse one, where it says the the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And Abraham obeyed. We find over in the book of the Hebrews that by faith he just packed up his family and he went. But here he is receiving something, and I guarantee you that as part of what Isaac would be thinking about at this point in time is the promises that God had given to his father. The promises that God had given to his father. I mean, just to sit and meditate on these verses and to begin to realize that from you, you know, here you are as Isaac, realizing that that this promise is resting upon you. This promise 
is going to be continued with your lineage, your heritage. God's going to do something great in your life. He was already doing something great in Abraham's life, and now Isaac gets an opportunity to see what God's going to be doing in his life. His parents were beginning to age. I guarantee you, one of the things that he began to think about and meditate upon was the age of his parents when he was born. A hundred years old? Wow. I mean, you know, I, I sit there and think about it, and, you know, at some point in time, you get to, you know, my folks as an example. My dad had a, had a dog, and the dog had eventually passed away, and I'm like, are you guys going to get another one? And they're like, no, we're too old for that. Could you imagine having a newborn at a hundred? Oh, man. <clears throat> I'm having a hard enough time at 48. What are you talking about? <clears throat> but can you imagine just seeing the miracle of God doing that? That what God had done in, in Abraham's life, that here he is, he gets to sit down and he gets to think about how God had done this, how God, how his, his mom had kind of laughed at the whole situation. And beginning to realize that God had made a huge promise to his father and to his mother. And that promise was now going to be falling upon him. I'm sure there was a lot of meditation about the fact here he is 40 years old and he has no wife. But obviously that wasn't a big deal to God. Abraham had him when he was a hundred years old. So we think about this just for a moment. We begin to think about how, how, how God began to bless him. This has got to be going through his mind. Because I want to, I want us to understand Isaac wasn't sitting down reading Psalms and meditating upon it. He wasn't sitting down reading Matthew either. <laughs> they had no Bible in front of them. They had nothing. What was he meditating on? God. He's meditating on God. He was meditating on God and his works. What God had said and what God had already had come to pass, what was waiting for him on the other side, those promises, all of these things, here he is meditating on. How often do we sit and stop and meditate on the promises of God? I, when I was laying around in that hospital, there wasn't a lot to do. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, you just, your mind will begin to wander. And I just began to think. Thinking about the promises of God. Thinking about heaven. Thinking about how great it will be. Amen. Thinking about, you know, as, I, as I'm lying there, you know, gutted like a fish. <laughs> Just sitting there going, man, and none of this. I don't have to deal with any of this. Not that I would want to escape any of this because I get opportunities to give God glory about this. I got to tell my neighbor the other day. It's like, I hadn't seen you in a while. Come and find out he'd been having some health issues and told him about my health issues. And 
and told him what the doctor had said about cancer and everything. And then five doctors come around and say, every single time we see this, it's cancer. We can't explain why it isn't. And I'm sitting there going, I can. (laughs) My God. My God. And even if I had it, I still would have said, I will praise him. But here we are in this situation, just sitting there thinking about this, and I'm thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about what you know, what how great that's going to be, and I'm thinking about all the the glories that are there. I'm thinking about the promises. Thinking about the promises. Do we take time out of the day to just stop and think about what God has promised us? What God has promised us. Tell you, you spend time thinking about God, what God has promised you, He will take care of whatever it is you're seeking. Isaac obviously needed a wife. God provided it while he was meditating on the promises. What else he was probably meditating on? He was probably meditating on what happens when you don't do the will of God. He was probably thinking about his half-brother Ishmael and what Ishmael was doing at this point in time. The wild man, the one that was older, the one whose every hand of every nation was going to be against him, still is today. And I'll tell you this, there had to be some sort of thought process about this, like, Mom, why did you do that? Dad, what were you thinking? Well, we can do the same. But did he meditate on that lesson? I mean, here he is. He has an opportunity to sit there and think about it. And then his, that his, his half-brother is out there running around doing something. He's got his own promises to him. But he's out there doing all sorts of other things. But he's the one that's the promise. Isaac is. Ishmael wasn't. Why? Because it wasn't done according to the will of God. It was from Hagar. It wasn't from Sarah. Sarah had a moment of doubt and said, God's not going to do it the way he told us he was going to do it, so I'm going to help God along. Oh, dear. If you ever have those words come out of your mouth, I'm going to help God. Stop and smack yourself a good one. (laughs) You really, truly, you're not. You're not. God will use you and God will guide you and God will direct you and God will tell you what his will is and he will show it to you from scripture. You just follow that plan and you just meditate on what God's will is and I guarantee you, you will find exactly what God wants you to do with your life. You will find it. I'm pretty sure he was sitting there thinking about how Sarah and his father, Abraham, did that outside of God's will. They did it without consulting God. And it had created a rather big problem. I'm sure you was thinking about that. I'm sure that as he's thinking about this throughout all of it, I'm sure all of the stories and, if you will, accounts that had taken place of what took what happened over there with Sodom and Gomorrah were ringing true in his ears. The plane was still destroyed. The towns were still gone. The people were no longer there. And during this time of meditation, he could sit and he could think about God's judgment upon sin. God's judgment upon pride. 
Guess what he said that the sin of Sodom was? It was pride. They had lifted themselves up above God. They had become their own gods. They were doing everything outside of God and outside of what his commandments were. And they were operating in an area that they shouldn't have been operating in. And it was all because of pride. I'm sure he's sitting there meditating and thinking about God's judgment. A reminder. I'm going through the scriptures and I'll tell you, you find that uh, God has uh, effectively judged people for sin. And there are people that have been swallowed whole by the earth, been taken down by a lion, have had fire come down from heaven, have been torn by bears. I mean, the, the list goes on, right? And we can sit there and we can meditate on all of those, but I will say this, the greatest pain and the greatest suffering that was ever endured because of sin took place on Calvary. It took place on the cross. And I don't need to to go too far outside of the Gospels to realize that the judgment of God upon my sins was put upon Jesus Christ. And I had an opportunity now to think about that and to meditate on it and see exactly what God thinks of sin. To turn his back on Christ. To have all the sins of the world upon him. To be brutalized, beaten, torn, and nailed, buffeted and bruised, stabbed. All of that because I violated God's standards. I'm sure he's thinking about the judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah for sin. And here we are, we can do the same. And I have to ask ourselves this question. How often do we meditate upon the promises of God? How often do we meditate upon doing His will? Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't doing it. Sarah and Abraham didn't do it with Ishmael. But what we find here is we have an opportunity, or we see Isaac with an opportunity to sit down and meditate upon what God had already done and what God had already judged and what God had already said was true and what God was going to do with sin and what God was going to do with that judgment. All those things, he has an opportunity. Those events, those accounts, to meditate upon. How often do we meditate upon how sinful our sin is to God? How often do we meditate on, am I fully in God's will? Am I doing all that pleases and honors Him and gives glory to His name, not me? I can also see Him meditating on His Father's faith. Because a few chapters earlier, <coughs> excuse me, if you will, <coughs> turn over there to um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Got something caught in my throat. <coughs> you turn over there 
where the faith of Abraham, where there's a, uh, uh, turn over to chapter 18, where Abraham had began to plead for those that were in Sodom and looking for the, the, the sparing of the righteous because he knew his, his relative Lot was there and Lot's and Lot, or his Lot and his family. And we find in verse, uh, <clears throat> 23 of Genesis chapter 18, and Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon thee to speak, un, or to, taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes peradventure. There shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's forty sake. And he said to him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. Now I will speak, peradventure, there, uh, there shall uh, thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty. And he said, Behold now, I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, peradventure, and there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet this, uh, but this once, peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. I can imagine that that was something that Isaac would think about. Started out as just 50. 50 out of the thousands that are there. 50 out of the thousands. And as he continues to go through it, he gets down to, Lord, if there's just 10, will you spare it? And it wasn't because Abraham loved the sin. It wasn't because Abraham had a desire for the sin that was there. It was because of the righteous. God had a plan for the righteous. He pulled them out. And we know the story that's behind that, but we, we, we clearly see that that was something that would have been relayed to Isaac, that he would have to sit there and think about, and think about what, 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 uh, what, what Abraham had done. You, you go over to a few more chapters and, and we find, <clears throat> Find over in, in, in chapter 22 of Genesis, shortly before Isaac gets his wife, here he is, a much older person. He's not a young teenager at this point in time, Isaac isn't. And what do we find in chapter 22? We find Abraham going and taking it. He's going to offer up Isaac, knowing full well that he, that he was the, the, the promised Child, knowing that the promise lied was there in Isaac, knowing these things, he still went up there and by faith 
he had he he knew that if that if his son Isaac was killed and sacrificed, God would raise him up again. He was that confident in his God. He was that confident in what the Lord had told him. He believed God so much that he's like, I don't care what happens in this physical world. God will still do what God said. We find this passage and we know the story where, where it says there in, uh, in this, uh, this, uh, this passage in verse, uh, verse seven, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both, uh, so they went both of them together. And they came to the place of God, which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his knife and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son thy only son from me. You know what God was doing? God was doing an idol check in Abraham's heart. Abraham, do you love Isaac more than you love God? I tell you, we have to do that frequently. I've seen it where spouses have made an idol out of the, each other. And God's not in the marriage. I've seen it where parents have made idols out of the children. And God's not anywhere in that relationship. I've seen it with careers. I've seen it with whatever God gives us. The blessings. And every now and then, God will say, we need to do an idol check. Which do you love more? Peter, lovest thou these more than me? We go through this process and we realize here that this is something that Isaac would be thinking about. That Isaac would be contemplating, that Isaac would be, would be meditating upon. I mean, I'm sure there was probably a little bit of a traumatic experience there. I mean, could you imagine you, you go over and you see your dad who's well over a hundred at this point in time, and he's over there well in 130 years plus age, and he's stacking these stones, and he's making an altar, and he's putting it together the right way, and he's putting the wood on there, and, and Isaac's still kind of looking around going, where's, where's, I don't see any animals. And then Abraham shuffles over, grabs his son, looks him in the eyes, and starts binding him. Realize Isaac knew exactly what was going on, and he didn't fight back. Isaac was willingly offering himself as a type of Christ. But what we find here is another event that he could think on. What's he going to make an idol of in his life? Is he going to have the faith of his father? That believed whatever God promised him? That God would make it happen? He meditated upon his father's faith. 
meditated upon him, just picking up from moving from one place to another, a land that was unknown to him. Entire family and belongings all coming over to a certain area to dwell in a place that God was going to give Abraham and the nation of Israel. I'm pretty sure he was meditating on that. Have we ever meditated on the faith of our fathers? The faith of our mothers? The faith of those that have gone before us? Have we meditated upon our faith? I'm sure Isaac was asking himself that question. Would I be willing to do that? Would I be willing to do that with my son? Would I be willing to do that with my children? Would I be willing to give all for the sake of God? He had an opportunity to meditate upon that. And just before this, as we had seen, as he mentions over there in in chapter 24, in that last verse, Isaac was being comforted because of his mother's death. And Abraham had gone and bought some land and had set up a place where she was uh, uh, entombed and and buried. And uh, here he is, losing, losing a parent. Many times, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of meditation that comes with that loss. But I'm sure his meditation wasn't one of hopelessness. His meditation was one that David had when his son died. I will see him yet again. I will see him yet again. Talking about a little bit of some stuff with uh, my wife the other day, and uh, you go over there to where King Saul is at the end of his reign, and God's not talking to him. The prophets are not talking to him. The Urim's not talking to him. Nothing's talking to him. So he goes and finds himself a witch at Endor, and as he's over there, he begins to have a conversation with Samuel, which freaks the witch out. <clears throat> and uh, you ever notice what Samuel said to Saul? Tomorrow about this time, you're going to be with me. Don't always think about that with Saul. Wicked little king. He still was there. Where was Saul? Saul wasn't in, or excuse me, Samuel wasn't in hell. Where was Samuel? He was in Abraham's bosom. And he told Saul, you're going to be with me. You and your sons, you're going to be with me. There's comfort with that, but also terror. But to sit there and think that God had called that place Abraham's bosom, knowing that the person that was going to be there was going to be his mom. You know how much hope there was with that? He was going to see her again. Just meditating on that, meditating and knowing 
that because of her faith and because of what she did, even being mentioned over there in the book of Hebrews, that there was something that was great that God was doing in, in Isaac's life. And he sees all of these things. He has an opportunity at this moment, even with the death of his mom, to sit down and meditate about everything that has gone on, including the fact that he's going to see her again. You know, meditation is a key thing for us as Christians. Turn, if you will, to Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 talks about the blessed man. Psalm chapter 1 talks about how the blessed man in verse 1 is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What does he do? He avoids those sinful situations. He avoids the influence in his life. He avoids the affection upon him. But in verse 2, what does he, what does he allow to affect him? What is it that he receives and, and delights in? His delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in being told what to do. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. I often joke around about that, about the young teenager that says, oh, I'm just sick and tired of being told what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. I'm going to leave and join the Marine Corps. <laughs> They'll tell you what to do, won't they? Mm-hmm. They got a list. They start up early in the morning before you're up. And they got the list already prepared. And you got a drill instructor right here in your face telling you exactly what you're going to do. God's not a drill instructor. But God has expectations. And you know what he is? Here he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in doing what God has told him to do. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He thinks about it. You realize that if we allow ourselves to meditate on the promises of God, allow ourselves to meditate on the will of God, allow ourselves to meditate upon the faith that God has asked us, to have that we will get to this point where we are sitting there saying, I need to meditate upon God's word to prevent myself from getting into a sinful situation. It's really hard to be sitting there meditating on God and enter into sin. It's hard. You have to have a special level of defiance against God to be able to do that. And I'm not saying that with any sort of accolades, okay? That's, that, that's something that you need to be scared of. To be that defiant against God. I want you to think about that. Lucifer had that same defiance. He was in heaven. He had his own throne. He was, had musical instruments. He was beautiful. But he got lifted up with pride and rebellion. And he fell. And his end is coming. But we find here that God makes it clear that there is a special, uh, 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 if you will, province uh, for those that decide, I'm going to sit there and think about God's word all day. That will help keep you out of sin. Take a look over there at Proverbs, or excuse me, not Proverbs, Psalms chapter 8. <laughs> Psalms chapter 8. 
And I can imagine that here is Isaac as he's thinking about all of these things, thinking about the promises, thinking about the will of God, thinking about that faith. I can tell you one of the things that is very clear is that, that, and if you've spent any time as a Christian meditating on this, you have asked the question, God, why me? Not why are things happening to me, but God, you're thinking about me. God, you know who I am, but yet you think about me. Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, it says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? I mean, let's think about it. We're dust. As, as Abraham said, I'm just dust and ashes asking a question. It says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? That God would come, And he would have a relationship with you, a relationship with me. There's something amazing about that. This is what he's meditating upon. Lord, you, you, you want me to be the promise. You want me to have this nation to come from me. Turn over to Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63. Look at verse 1. It says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry, thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with with, uh, marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Tell you one of the things that really just gives me comfort at night. Sometimes you get those little sleepless nights. It's just sitting back and just meditating on who God is. Meditating on the answered prayer. Meditating on his salvation that he's given you. Meditating on his word. Meditating on what he has done for us. That'll give you a peaceful night's sleep. And even if you don't fall asleep, you're still at peace. Because you're thinking about how great God is. I want to turn over to one more passage over in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. As the nation's getting ready to go in. Several hundred years later, after God had given... Isaac, Rebekah, and from them came Jacob, and from him came the twelve tribes, and from them came this nation that was led out of a land, and here they are getting ready to possess the land that God had promised to Abraham. And I want you to go back and think about this as, 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 as Isaac was sitting there thinking in the field when he was receiving that blessing of Rebekah in his life. Here in this verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, 
Joshua reminds them something. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He reminds them. Nation of Israel, you don't stop and think about what God told you. You're going to make your life a little bit more difficult. You're going to make yourself a lot of trouble. You're going to cause yourself a lot of grief. But here Joshua, in a great passage that we can easily apply to our lives today, says, why don't you just meditate on it? Because if you meditate on it, you're going to do it. And if you do it, you're going to please God. That's the success. Pleasing God. Bringing Him glory, honor, and praise. That's what we're created to be. That's what we're created to do. Meditation is something that is important in a Christian life. Without it, if we don't meditate upon these things, we're going to be led astray. We're going to let our thoughts wander to something else. To malcontentment. To unthankfulness. To unholiness. To sin. But there's Isaac. With great examples in his life. He didn't even have a Bible. But he could still think about what God had already done in his life. You may not have all of this book memorized. I don't. You may not even be, you know, may have a difficult time memorizing one verse. That's okay. But I will tell you this. You can definitely sit down and, and meditate upon what God has already done in your life. Just meditate on your salvation for a while. Just meditate on the fact that you have a home in heaven. Go read John 14, in the first six verses. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Very clearly, God outlines that for us. The promises. His will. And that faith. Be like Isaac. Take time to meditate on God's Word. Take time to meditate on what God has done for you, His mighty works. And take time to meditate on who God is and how great a God He truly is. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank You for this time. I thank You again, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to hear Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that as Christians and as believers, we would definitely do that. Meditate upon You. In the morning, in the evening, Lord, we would meditate upon You. As we go about our day-to-day business, Lord, we'd meditate upon what You've done and who You are. Lord, as we rest, we'll take that time to just meditate on how great You are and how mighty You are. Lord, I pray that we would just have this desire to do that. That we won't get so caught up with the busyness of life that we won't stop Stand still, see your salvation, and think on it. The Lord, we would lift your name up in praise, 
as we worship you, thinking about all that you have given and done for us. May we be Christians that meditate. And I ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.